The NAPLEX is the highest stakes exam that you're going to take as a pharmacist. And the key to your success is not how much you study, but it's something else entirely. And while knowing your drug information is incredibly important, if you don't have this thing down, it could jeopardize your test completely. And that one thing is your mindset. Now I have to be honest here, I was an anxious NAPLEX taker myself. So this is something that I've struggled with in the past. However, I have created some strategies and even taken more standardized tests since I've taken the NAPLEX. And here are some recommendations I have of the strategies that work to prevent some of the this test related anxiety. The things I'm about to share with you are proven strategies that can help not only how you show up when you're studying, but how you perform on test day. So let's dive into strategy number one. The first strategy that you need to know to get your mindset right for the NAPLEX is to be confident in the information that you've learned. Many people are guilty of saying, well, I haven't started studying for the NAPLEX yet. I was one of them. I said that for weeks before I started studying. The reality is I had been studying for the NAPLEX for four years. The thing that is different about the NAPLEX versus the other exams that you've taken in pharmacy school is that you have seen this material before. In fact, when you are studying for the NAPLEX, it's almost like you are reviewing and refining your skills rather than studying like you do for an exam where most or all of the material is new to you. Looking at the amount of information that you need to learn for the NAPLEX seems very overwhelming, but if you look at this as just an opportunity to review and dust off the cobwebs, it feels just a little bit less anxiety inducing. Because even if you don't get to look at every single aspect of your study materials, you've already seen it. So there's a chance there's information in there that you're reviewing and already know. Another piece of being a little bit more confident about your knowledge is really understanding how the exam is scored. The NAPLEX is designed to determine who is a minimally competent pharmacist. What does that even mean? It means that on day one of your job as a pharmacist, you should be able to practice safely and effectively and take care of patients. Now, that does not mean you're supposed to be an infectious disease specialist as well as a cardiology specialist and know everything about oncology and be an endocrinology specialist whenever you walk out of that exam. It's simply not possible for you to be an expert in all of those things. And that is not what the exam is expecting of you at all. It just wants minimal competence. And the scoring actually reflects this. So if you didn't know how the NAPLEX is scored, it is scored where each question is looked at by experts and they decide what the chance is that the person taking this exam who is a minimally competent pharmacist would know the answer to this. Easier questions are likely going to be worth more points than a difficult, complicated question. An example of this is lisinopril's mechanism of action is probably gonna be worth more points than asking you a question about a combination HIV medication and which therapy is the best regimen for a specific patient. A minimally competent pharmacist should know how lisinopril works, but maybe doesn't know all of the specifications of an HIV therapy without looking into it. Therefore, the lisinopril question would be worth more. If you're curious about the score regimen and exactly how it works, I will leave a link down in the description below that goes into those details a little bit more. And based on the scoring and the fact that the score is variable between different questions, I want to remind you not to freak out if you don't know the answer to a question. I know this can be anxiety or panic inducing, especially if you get two or three questions in a row that you really aren't sure what the answer is. I've been there, it's terrifying. But if and when that happens, I want you to take a second and think about it this way. First off, if you took a guess and answered the question, which I highly 
recommend you do for every single one because there's no penalty for a wrong answer. There's a chance you got it right. And you could be worrying about this question and not knowing the answer for sure when in reality, you checked the right box to begin with. Secondly, you don't know how many points that question was worth. So it could be worth next to nothing compared to the next question that you got right. And lastly, that question may not even be scored at all. There are 225 questions on the NAPLEX and only 200 of them are scored. That leaves 25 questions that you can miss and it doesn't even affect your score at all. So if you miss a question, take a breath, take a beat, and move on to the next one because it may not even matter. Ultimately, I want you to remember that if you've gotten this far and have made it through pharmacy school, that you have passed a lot of exams to get here and you should be confident in your ability to pass just one more. And that confidence comes from preparing for success, which is strategy number two. What exactly does it mean to prepare for success? Well, I like to think of this as how athletes prepare for the Olympics or a big game. They practice with purpose and they practice like they're going to play. So my recommendation to you is to do practice tests like you'll take the actual exam. That means removing any and all distractions or your study session may just look a little bit like this. she's cute. Aside from removing any pets that may distract you during your exam study time, clear everything off of your desk that would be a distraction or something that's not allowed on exam day. Go ahead and take off your smartwatch and your phone and remove them from the room. The only things you really need on your desk to practice like it's exam day is your basic calculator and a laminated piece of paper with a marker if you want to be really specific or just get a piece of paper and a pen. And then practice with the timer going. If you use today's sponsor, True Learn, they have a built-in timer that tells you exactly how much time you need to take for each question, and it's about what it would be on exam day. If you're using another study tool, you can use a timer and do like about a minute and 20 seconds per question. Now, before you freak out because a minute and 20 seconds does not sound like a whole lot of time, I want you to know that some of those questions that are gonna be on this exam, you should know right away. Like you know that Naloxone's brand name is not can. That's not going to take you long to answer. That gives you more time on a complicated calculation question that you may want to run through a couple of times. If it makes you feel any better, I had plenty of time left over whenever I finish my exam. One of the questions I get asked about the NAPLEX a lot that goes along with practicing for success is having an end goal in mind. So when I'm taking practice quizzes or practice tests, what is the goal that I'm aiming for? Well, a lot of people are looking for an 80 or 90% and I would say that's great if you can get there, but don't fret if you don't. My recommendation is typically a 70 to 75 on the most common disease states type questions. So things like diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, those are disease states that you should know very well because a minimally competent pharmacist is going to see them all the time. But it might be okay to be getting a 60 to 65 percent on quiz questions such as HIV and oncology because a minimally competent pharmacist wouldn't know a high percentage of those questions. Of course, shooting for higher is better and this is very 
relative based on the study materials that you're using, but making sure that you know those top disease states, those over-the-counter medications, and things that a minimally competent pharmacist is most likely to know better than those really niche down disease states is probably the best way to go. Another piece of preparing for success is knowing how to answer a question that you're not 100% certain on. Hopefully, if you're in pharmacy school, you have developed a process to do this for yourself, but if you want to refine that even more, I'm going to show you an example right now of how to work through a problem in TrueLearn that can help you. So Mr. Teague is a 12-year-old boy who is 5 foot and weighs 50 kilograms. He presents to the emergency department with bacterial meningitis. He reports an allergy to penicillin, which is redness and itching, and you are going to select the best empiric antibiotic regimen below. So ampicillin gentamicin, vancomycin ceftriaxone, vancomycin ampicillin ceftriaxone, vancomycin plus trimethoprim sufamidoxazole, which is Bactrim, and vancomycin. If you are not good at antibiotics, you might immediately start to panic. But here's how I break it down to help reduce the panic. So first, there's a lot of information in here that you don't really need to worry about. So they are 12. So that means it's a pediatric patient. So just something to keep in mind. Bacterial meningitis is what we're treating. And they have an allergy to penicillin, which is redness and itching. That reaction is very important because that tells me it is a true penicillin allergy, but it is not anaphylaxis. And then we're looking for empiric antibiotic therapy, which means they are just starting out. We don't know much information about the meningitis yet, other than that's probably what they have. So when I look at this list, here is how I would break it down. I know that the cross-reactivity of penicillin and ampicillin is the highest. So I'm going to automatically cross out these options with ampicillin because I know that those options are likely not the correct answer. Next, I'm going to look at the remaining options, and I see basically vancomycins in all of them. We have the option of adding ceftriaxone or adding Bactrim. I know from working at a pediatric hospital when I was in school that we didn't really use Bactrim for much outside of skin infections or maybe tick-borne illnesses. I never saw it used for meningitis, and it was not a common IV therapy that we would give. So I'm going to cross that out just because of my personal experience, knowing that that's not something that was normally given. That leaves me with vancomycin or vancomycin plus ceftriaxone. So in this case, we're thinking bacterial meningitis, we're wanting broad spectrum coverage. So vancomycin, I know, covers gram positives. Since vancomycin doesn't have good gram negative coverage, I would say doing vancomycin alone is probably not treating everything we need to. So I'm going to then eliminate that as well. That leaves us with just the option of vancomycin and ceftriaxone. So based on those deductive reasonings, this is what I would select. And it turns out I was right. So you can look here and it says over here, this bottom line, empiric antibiotic regimens are based on bactericidal property and the patient's age considering the patient's allergy. So there is a low cross-reactivity between penicillins and third-generation cephalosporins, which is why ceftriaxone was the appropriate option. And then I mentioned we're talking about the pediatric age. So your empiric regimen is vancomycin and ceftriaxone anyway. One of the things I love about TrueLearn is you can go through each answer and see why each answer is incorrect. So answer A, I had mentioned that the cross-reactivity for 
ampicillin was high, so I automatically eliminated those. And also the 12-year-old didn't make sense for them to get ampicillin anyway. So that's where A and C got eliminated. Answer D, it said that this is not the correct regimen for all bacterial meningitis cases, and you don't typically use Bactrim with vancomycin. So students here, even if I didn't know exactly what that was, I knew I'd never seen that combination before from working in a hospital, so I eliminated it for that. And then answer E, it does talk about how patients at risk for both gram-positive and gram-negatives, and VANC only covers gram-positives, which is my reasoning to pick the ceftriaxone plus VANC option. So say I got this question wrong, that would be an opportunity to use some of these other resources here to go a little bit deeper. So there is a Picmonic memory anchor that you can use if you have the Picmonic add-on, and then you can also see the other information resources here to look into, especially if you're missing a lot of questions on that topic. As I mentioned earlier, TrueLearn is the sponsor for today's video. I really love their test bank and their ability to connect with Picmonic to go even deeper into your learning. There are over 1,500 questions in their test bank, which is over six NAPLEX exams. That's a lot of questions. And I know that NAPLEX is a little bit pricey, so I do have a discount code for you. You can use code HAPPYFARM at checkout and get 20% off a subscription of 90 days or more, or you can just go to happyfarmlife.com forward slash TrueLearn, and that link will take you to get the discount as well. The reason I recommend TrueLearn is because I think it is such a good comprehensive tool, so whenever you do go through questions and you don't get them all correct, you can treat these questions as learning opportunities, which is my next tip. Like I mentioned earlier, it does you no good to beat yourself up over missed questions. Instead, I want you to view them as a learning opportunity because that's exactly what it is. Say I gotten that example question from the True Learn Test Bank wrong, that would have been a great learning opportunity for me to understand how you treat bacterial meningitis in a pediatric patient. Instead of being disappointed that you got it wrong, be grateful that this question came up while you were studying so that you could correct it moving forward. That's the entire reason you're studying is so you can learn material so when it comes to test day, you're not going to miss it. This is exactly what you want when you're studying because this helps you fill in knowledge gaps, which is why those practice questions are so crucial. The more gaps you fill in during your study process, the less gaps you'll find on test day and the higher your score will be. Also, the lower your anxiety will be on test day because you're feeling more confident because you're answering more questions correctly. And this brings me to strategy number three, which is to minimize your anxiety on test day. I know that taking an exam like this is very anxiety inducing. However, there are some strategies that you can do to make that anxiety go down just a little bit. My first recommendation is to avoid excessive cramming of information the night before or the morning of your exam. Most likely this is going to increase your anxiety because you're going to feel like you don't know as much information as you probably do. I also recommend trying to follow along with your normal morning and evening routines as you prepare for test day because yes it's not a normal day but the more normal you can make it the less anxiety you're going to feel on the day of. I know that might not be super easy if you're having to to stay in a hotel or drive far away from where you live in order to take the exam, but keeping stuff as normal as possible will reduce your anxiety. Also, being prepared is one of the best ways to lower your stress levels on test day. I will leave a link to the NAPLEX page on the NABP website that outlines everything that you need from documents, when you should arrive, and just all the other details that you need to know. So if you haven't reviewed that, review that before test day, and also make sure you know where you're going and 
where your testing site is because if you get lost because Google's GPS took you somewhere it shouldn't, that's definitely gonna increase your stress level and you don't wanna be walking in the building sweaty and exhausted and confused because that is not the energy you wanna bring into that testing room. The other thing you don't wanna bring into that testing room is negative self-talk. That means if you miss a question telling yourself, oh, I'm so stupid, oh my gosh, I should know that, none of that cut it out. Cheer yourself on a little bit in your head whenever you get one right. Like, heck yeah, it only took me like 10 seconds to answer that question. I have so much more time for the other ones that are more complicated later. Negative self-talk is the quickest way to reduce your test score because the more you tell yourself you don't know, the less confident you are, and the more you're going to question the things that you even do know. Some strategies that you can do during your exam if you start to feel that stress level rise is breathing techniques. So one of the things I recommend is belly breathing so you breathe in through your nose and instead of keeping the air in your chest you breathe more into your belly and expand your belly and then breathe out through your mouth. Breathing techniques are designed to impact your nervous system and reduce that anxiety that you may be feeling. Something else that you can do during your breaks is to do a little bit of stretching to get the blood flowing again. You're likely going to be sitting for long periods of time in between those breaks. So getting some stretching in, walking around inside the building a little bit can help reduce your anxiety and improve your blood flow, making you feel a little bit better in that testing room. And lastly, if your anxiety is debilitating or making it difficult for you to do your studying, it may be a good option to talk to a professional and get help. There is no shame in getting help, but you do not want to go into test day feeling massive amounts of anxiety that make it harder to pass your exam. Overall, your NAPLEX success is going to be based on your ability to get your mindset right so you can access all that information that you have been studying so hard for. Remember, you have gotten this far by passing exams that are not easy. So this is just one more exam that you can pass and I believe that you can do it. And don't forget, if you really wanna practice like it is test day, I highly recommend getting access to the TrueLearn Test Bank. They have a free trial that you can access or you can do the discounted code 20% off with code HAPPYFARM or use my link happyfarmlife.com forward slash truelearn to access over 1500 questions, amazing explanations of what the correct answer is for these questions. And you can also add on Picmonic to get that visual learning aspect that is so beneficial when it comes to memorizing information. With that, thank you all for watching. And until next time, keep on living your happy farm life and good luck on your exam. Bye.